But before we pray, let me first um, give honor and glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the head of my life, the master of my existence. And then honoring my wife in her absence, um, though she's not with me, she is my queen, my ministry partner, my rib, my earth. And babe, I love you. And um, amen. And honoring my children, they're of age now. You know, my, when they were little, I used to not say anything about them, but now they're old enough to kind of, you know, recognize when I'm talking. And when I'm done preaching, they'll say, Dad, you didn't mention us. And I'll be like, okay, sorry. So now I have to mention my children, too, because I love them dearly as well. And I hope they are not giving my wife a hard time right now <laughs> in my absence. Um, and then also honoring your pastor, Pastor Kent, who just magically disappeared. Oh, okay, there he is. <laughs> uh, he seems like an awesome guy. You know, only had a few conversations, but he seems like a man who loves Jesus. And anyone who loves Jesus is a good man. And then same with your elder. Uh, you guys, it's just everybody. I can't name everybody, but you guys have um, definitely had me feel welcomed. So my wife always tells me not to do this, to say I won't be long. Um, but I won't be long. <laughs> I won't be long. Um, I believe there is a word from the Lord, and I'm excited to share that word. So my intention is to share this word, and then we can move on and eat and fellowship, whatever it is you plan on doing for your Sabbath. Just going to share this word and get out your way so God can have his way. Amen. So I'm going to read the scripture reading again from Acts chapter 2, then we'll pray. And then we'll get into this word. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 5, it says, Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why? are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is, it that, how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? And that's very, very important. Then verse 12 says, And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to each other, What does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we bless your name. We say thank you because you've given us the gift of life today. And we don't take it for granted, for we know that every day that we can experience life is an opportunity for us to experience you. And you saw it fit that we can enjoy another Sabbath day, a day in which all of creation is resting and marveling at your power and your wonder. So, God, we consider ourselves blessed not only to have life, but to also have rest, because we know that you have done all the work necessary for us to be saved. So you've gathered us together here that we may hear a word from you. You've gathered us together here that we may experience you and learn more about you. So may our gathering not be in vain. God, speak to our hearts, not just our minds. May it not just be information, but may we experience transformation. Ultimately, that we will know 
that Jesus is enough for us and that those who do not know Jesus will accept them as their Lord and Savior. These we ask in his name. Amen. Amen. So we serve a God who loves unity, right? A God who enjoys seeing his people and his creation come together as one to worship and to fellowship and to live and to be in harmony with one another. We serve a God who enjoys seeing one people and one nation, one group that is coming together in his name. But I would like to argue that we also serve a God who enjoys diversity, a God who enjoys seeing many different things happening in harmony with each other. I believe we serve a God who enjoys diversity because we serve a God who created colors. If God was into just one thing, if he did not enjoy diversity, there would be no need for the wide spectrum of colors. But we serve a God who saw fit to give us all of these different colors. And we can see an example of that with just a rose. A rose is a rose based on its genetic makeup. And it, it makes it a rose. But even roses vary in color. You have a red rose and a white rose and a yellow rose. And though they're roses, they are different in all types of ways. And God saw fit to not just create roses, but he created lilies and he created daisies and all different types of flowers. We serve a God who enjoys diversity. We know this because of our taste buds. If God really only cared about just one thing, he could have created a super fruit that had all the nutrients and it could have been one color and every tree could have produced that one fruit. But we serve a God who's given us many fruit and I praise God that he's given us many fruits. <laughs> Many fruits of all different flavors and colors, all different nutritional facts where it is designed for us to eat the many in order to get all that we need because God enjoys diversity. The problem is as much as God may enjoy diversity, it is humans that actually fail in enjoying diversity. Humans have a tendency to want everything to be one way, everything to look one way, everything to be experienced one way. It's humans that have this idea that unity and uniformity is one and the same. But I would argue that there is a difference between being united and being uniformed and being in uniform. In other words, unity and uniformity are two completely different things. And I would argue that there is room, there is room for diversity in unity. God can be diverse. We can be diverse and still be united. So this idea of uniformity has been plaguing humans for centuries, for millenniums, and I would even argue it's been plaguing the church. The church has this idea that in order for us to be united, in order for us to dwell in unity, we all must have our services at 11 a.m. We all must have our Sabbath schools at a certain time. We all must use the same quarterly. We all must worship the same way. I can remember when I took a trip to Ghana. My wife, her family's from Ghana, right? So I'm Haitian and she's Ghanaian. So it's a, it's a beautiful international family. <laughs> it was my first time visiting 
Africa, which I call the motherland, my first time visiting the continent in which all civilization was created. I was excited to go to Ghana. And, you know, I was excited to go to worship in Ghana because I've never worshipped in Ghana before. I'm like, yeah, I worshipped in the United States, all places of the U.S., but I've never worshipped outside of the United States. So I was very excited to go to Ghana and see how do these Ghanaians worship God. I was so excited about it. And I got together and, you know, I wore my suit because that's what I had, right? <laughs> I put my suit together, I look kind of clean, and my wife look kind of clean. And we go to church, and, you know, they had church at 11 a.m. I just thought it was a coincidence. You know, okay, 11 a.m. service, that's fine. I'm used to that, we'll go to church. And, and to my disappointment, I walk into the sanctuary, and they use the same hymnals that I use. <laughs> had the same order of service that I had. And for some people, that would be unity, but I realized that they've denied every bit of their culture in the name of unity, as if there was no room for diversity in Christ. And I say it was to my disappointment because I know that their native language was not English, yet the whole service was in English. These songs were not written by their people, but yet these were the songs that they were singing. And there was not one element in the service that represented who they were as Ghanaians. It was just a service that represented who they were as Seventh-day Adventists. And the question that was plaguing my mind is, is God looking for us to deny our diversity for the sake of unity? Is he asking that we deny everything that makes us unique and special in order for us to truly represent the kingdom of God? And I would argue that the scriptures say no. The scriptures say that God has room for diversity in his kingdom. And I would argue, based on the scriptures, that all unity is not good unity. In other words, just because you are united, I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit now. Just because you are united doesn't mean that you're godly. Let me give you an example of that. See, if you go to your scriptures, and you know, this is pure coincidence, Pastor. I went to the website just to see if you were streaming the service. <laughs> and this, this happened like... Last night, I was talking to my wife. She said, are they streaming the service? I said, I don't know. Went to your website, found some old sermons, and I realized that you preached about, about Babel. And I thought that was such divine providence because Babel is the perfect example of a unity that did not please God. It was a group of people. They, the Bible is very clear. They were of one language and of one mind. But the problem was their language and their mind was not to bring glory to God, but glory to themselves. The Bible was clear that they were building a tower that they can make a name for themselves. They said, we don't want to be scattered across the world. We want people to know who we are. And everything about their unity was about representing themselves. And what God did was he broke up their unity and caused confusion on the earth. Can I, can I take a pause here? Because sometimes, oh, sometimes we are trying to figure out why things seem to be so confusing in our household, why things seem to be so confusing in our churches. We're trying to figure out why things aren't coming together and we say we're coming in the name of Jesus. Everything should be smooth and everything should be panned out but there still seems to be some confusion. I would argue that sometimes God is leaving the confusion there because your unity is not for his glory but for your own. 
Some of us, we're looking to be united, not so that God can get the glory, but so that we can get the glory. We can look back and say, look how awesome my family is. Look at the work I did to keep my family together. Look at the work I did to keep my church together. Look at the work I did to keep my business together, to keep my job together. It's all about us. And God says, I'm going to confuse the mess out of your mess. <laughs> because the only time unity is fitting is when it promotes the will and glory of our God. So when you get to Acts chapter 2, here we go. When you get to Acts chapter 2, what we see is an undoing of the Tower of Babel. When we get to Acts chapter 2, see, I got to set the picture up, right? Because these Jews that came together that we just read about, this is something they did every year. This was not a new event just so that they could receive the Holy Ghost. No, this was not a special service to receive the Holy Ghost. They didn't even know that the Holy Spirit was going to fall on this day. They had no idea. They had no idea. They came together. See, Jesus had just ascended, and he told them to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. They came together just as good religious Jews. They came together with their own religious agenda. They came together with their own religious tradition. But there were some that were there that knew that the Holy Spirit would be coming soon. And there were those who came together anticipating, <laughs> anticipating the arrival of the Holy Spirit, though they did not know the time in which the Holy Spirit would come. And on this day, God saw fit because this feast, this was one, this is what they call a high feast, right? Some of you, you're Bible scholars, so you know all of this already, but I want all of us to be on the same page, right? This is what you call a high feast. A high feast means that Jews from all over the world would travel to Jerusalem. <clears throat> they would travel to Jerusalem to go to the temple. See, every Sabbath, they would not go to the temple. But on the high feast days, they would travel to Jerusalem and go to the temple. So there'll be Jews from Asia and Jews from North Africa that would travel, even Jews from some parts of Europe. They would all travel to Jerusalem to this service to worship their God with other Jews. These were Jews that spoke diverse languages. See, some of us have this idea that all Jews spoke Hebrew. But based on where they came from, based on where they resided, based on where they grew up, they spoke many languages. Some of these Jews were converted. They were not all of the Hebrew descendancy, but they all worshipped the same God. And on the high feast days like Passover and Pentecost, they would come together all under the umbrella of the temple. But on this day, before they even made it to the temple, they all gathered together in one place from all different places. And, and they all had this one mind of serving their God. And when this happened, the Holy Spirit whoosh rushed into the room and did something amazing that the Bible called it a sound, a noise that just came across the air. And when this noise hit, something happened amongst the people. Something happened in them. And they started to speak of the goodness of God. They started to testify of who God was. Now, for those who were in tune with the Spirit of God, they were amazed because they knew they were not speaking my language, but I understand them in my language. See, the gift of the Holy Spirit in this incident was not that a person could speak Spanish. The gift of the Holy Spirit in this incident was a French person was speaking French, but the Spanish heard it in Spanish. And they were trying to figure out, how is this possible? How can it be 
that they're speaking in their own language? How can it be that they're expressing the goodness of God in their own tongue? And yet I understand it in my own language. And the Bible was very clear, not just any language, the language in which I was born in my native language. OK, right. So so I grew up in Brooklyn. Well, I grew up in Jersey, rather. Right. And I got record of that. <laughs> so I grew up in Jersey. So all I really know is English. Now, you know, we're, we're, we're in the Midwest, right? I don't know if you guys know this. I don't know how many of you stayed in the Midwest. But, you know, English, even in the U.S., is different, right? So, so there, there are some things I say that's native to just New Jersey. And even when I'm preaching, I'll say something. I have to remind myself, wait, they're not from New Jersey. I need to, I need to switch up the language. So when it comes to my worship and my, even my prayer experience, there are some things that I do just because I grew up in New Jersey. Now, my mom, she grew up in Haiti, right? Her native language is Creole. That's what she speaks. Now, she knows English. So we would go to church, you know, and she, she took me to an English church, and, you know, we would worship in English. But when she would pray, she wouldn't pray in English because that's not her language. She knows the language English, but that's not her language. Her language is Creole. So when she communed with God, she felt closer to God speaking in her own language. So understand the depth when they say, not that we just understand what they're saying, but we understand them in our language. The language of my birth, the language of my people. I, you're not speaking my language, but I understand you in my language. I want to I connect it. I want to connect it. Because when the Holy Spirit falls on any particular atmosphere, when the Holy Spirit falls on people of God, what happens is you can express yourself in your language. You don't have to deny who you are. You can express yourself in your language. And those who are also connected to that same spirit will understand you in their language. Because the spirit of God has a way of maintaining the diversity within the unity. God has a way of using who you are in your entire experience in that expression and still minister to other people who have no idea where you came from, but know the God that you're worshiping. Now, the problem is there were other people in that room who claimed to be devout Jews. There were other people in that room who came saying they wanted to worship God. But when the Holy Spirit fell and they saw and heard the manifestation of the Spirit, they could not understand what was happening. To them, it sounded like drunk men. To them, it sounded like men. I, I, I mean, I know you guys have been saved for quite some time. I don't know if you've been around drunk people, right? <laughs> but when people get a little drunk, you know, it's kind of hard to know what they're saying. In case, in case you didn't know, because I know you guys are saved. You guys are all, y'all love Jesus. Y'all don't, don't have any friends that do that type of behavior, right? So I wasn't always saved, right? So, so when people get, like, really drunk, their, their words tend to slur. They, you know, it's just like kind of like mumbles a little bit, right? And then even what they're saying, it's like they're not cognitively there. It's, 
you don't, I don't understand you. I don't think they understand themselves, you know. And I remember, because like I said, I wasn't always saved. I, I'm not ashamed to say it. I didn't always know Jesus, amen. I'm glad to know him, but I didn't always know him. And I, I know what it's like to sometimes get a drunk text from a friend who would text you, and it's like, you don't even know what they're saying. You have to text them back, just go to sleep. <laughs> we'll talk in the morning. You, you're not making any sense, right? So these men, and, and, and let me also say this, I don't care what culture you come from, alcohol has the same effect. <laughs> on every culture, every nation, every, everywhere you go, if they get drunk, they're going to slur their words, they're not going to make any sense. So for these people, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's crazy, right? While I'm joking, it's actually a shame that you could be in the room where God is moving and the movement of God looks like intoxication to you. Where God is moving in the room and you don't understand it. Now, in our humanity, we'll be quick to say that there's something wrong with them. Y'all missed that. We're in the room and they're doing things that we don't understand. It's quick for us to say, oh, there's something wrong with them. Look at them. They're acting a fool. They look like drunk men. And the reality is the only reason why you don't understand is because there's something wrong with you. You're actually the one left out. You're the one not connected to what the Spirit of God is doing. And you're so busy judging what they're doing without considering the fact maybe I'm missing a movement. So quick to talk down on what they're doing, never consider maybe I'm missing the movement. Because those who were there, some were only focused on the Jewish festival, while others were there focusing on encountering the Holy Spirit. So we need to ask ourselves, we need to ask ourselves, are we religious people or are we spiritual people? Because if we're spiritual people, if we're truly spiritual people, then it's not about what you look like. And when I say what you look like, it's not even just skin color. It's not even just that. I'm talking it's not about the culture in which you come. 18 countries in one church, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. My prayer is that every country is manifesting your worship services. Because if you're spiritual, it's not about what you look like, but rather the spirit in which you do it. If you are about Jesus, if you are about Jesus, then it's not about looking like we're about Jesus. It's about actually being about Jesus, meaning I can express myself in my native tongue. And though you may not understand my tongue, you understand my spirit. Because you too are connected to the Holy Spirit. But if you're religious, then it's about looking a certain way. It's about convincing the world that we're one. Instead of allowing the world to see the unity within our diversity. Because God could have... I'm talking about an awesome God, a God who is sovereign, a God who is all-powerful, a God who created the many languages. He could have, on that day of Pentecost, said, we're going to remove all these languages now, and there'll be one heavenly language that all my people will speak. But instead, he said, I'm going to allow them to keep their tongue, but everyone who's connected to me will understand them. You know, instead of, instead of praying for that day, we can learn many languages, which, I mean, I want to learn many languages. But I think God gets more glory, right? If I go in there with the Holy Spirit, speak my language and know that they got it. Because the Spirit did the work for me. And I was just a vessel to get the word out. 
but he was the tool for them to understand that word. So here's my appeal. See, I told you I'm not going to be with you long. <laughs> told you I'm not going to be with you long. Here's my appeal. Here's my appeal. Because I don't believe in just information. I believe in transformation. I want everyone really in this room to consider. I want you to consider what has your worship experience been like? I want you to really consider this. My appeal for you is that you really consider communing with the Holy Spirit in such a way where your way and your language and your culture is not the only thing acceptable to God in your sight. I want you to spend some time with the Holy Spirit because it's not just me. It's what we read in the Word of God. I want you to spend some time with the Holy Spirit and ask yourself, have you been demonizing other cultures simply because it's not your own? Have you been saying things are of the devil simply because it doesn't represent where you come from? Have you really been open to the idea that God can express himself in many ways, in many cultures, as long as the Bible says it's okay? Or have you been one of those who said it has to be this way, it has to be that way, it has to be this time? Because if you're focused on formality, then you're about uniformality, which makes you just a, just a vessel, really, of Satan. You become a tool that Satan uses to have a form of godliness, but lacking the power thereof. Because what good is it to use the same quarterly and still not learn about the same Jesus? What good is it to have the same order of service but still not serve the same God? What good is it to have all these things that look right but then in our deep spirit nothing has changed within us? What good is it to look Christian but not be Christian? What good is it to look Adventist but not be Adventist? What is the point if we're doing it just so that we can look good, then we are disgracing the very diversity that God created. The truth is, when he created man and woman, it was good. It didn't look good. It was good. And because it was good, it looked good. And I would argue that if we spend our time focusing on the Holy Spirit, realizing that God has a way of expressing himself through who I am that is not contradicting who he is and not even offensive to who everybody else is. But we can embrace that and say, I can be a rose in the midst of lilies and it's not offensive. Then we can see the movement of God in ways that we've never seen before. Amen. That is when people will be welcomed in our churches and they will come here and be at home because they know that who they are in God does not have to be compromised. Amen. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you're not a boring God. That you're not a God who only sees in one color. You're so amazing that even if we take the color green, we find many shades of green that's evidence of your diversity. Lord, forgive us for thinking that our way is the only way. Lord, forgive us for being so closed-minded that we try to change everybody to fit our preference and our desires and our comfortable positions without growing and considering that maybe there are other ways to express your goodness that we can enjoy, that we can experience, that we can understand. Lord, help us to realize that understanding the expression of others is more about our connection to you than it is our understanding of others. Because the more we're connected to you, the more you will reveal who you are in many people. The more we can see your awesomeness in many colors, in many cultures, in many traditions, 
we can realize that we serve the same God. The God in Nigeria is the same God in China and the same God in Germany, the same God in India, the same God in the U.S. We serve the same God and our cultures reflect your goodness. And if we focus on you, we can see you in the world. So, Lord, open our eyes, open our minds, help us to truly be focused on you. Forgive us in all areas where we've been closed-minded. And now today we remove all fear of corruption, learning that your diversity is the awesomeness of your unity. That only a good God can take diverse people and make them one. So thank you for displaying your power today in Jesus' name.